In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello, and welcome to The Career Confidant, and we're excited to have you here today. And you're going to be excited to join us here today because we have a guest with us that is going to be talking about her story and how she helps a specific set of job seekers. So Melissa Kelly is joining us today, and Melissa Kelly is a resume writer, job search coach, and interview coach who works with a whole range of job seekers. And Melissa, you work with people from all different types of work and all different types and levels Mm -hmm. of background. And so we're excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm thrilled to be on the show today. Yes. And one of the types of clients that you work with specifically is clients on the autism spectrum and those who live with a attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, and those with disabilities. And so I'm excited for you to come and share this with us today. And one of your stories is that you also were diagnosed with autism, but that was a little later in life. Tell us when you were diagnosed with autism. That's right. Um, I was 38 years old when I received my diagnosis. So up to that point, you know, growing up, going through elementary, middle school, and high school, as well as college, I was undiagnosed. And honestly, when um, I was diagnosed with, um, at that time was called Asperger's syndrome, and then until a couple of years ago when it was rolled into a general um, diagnosis called autism spectrum disorder, so many of the things that I couldn't figure out about myself, life, certain, especially social areas I was having difficulty with, it was... It was one of the biggest eureka moments in my life to to be diagnosed and you know then in reviewing you know researching that understand what the characteristics were it, it honestly was like looking in a mirror oh sorry yeah i bet that was very affirming in some ways just to say ah this this explains Mm -hmm. it's also very empowering why do you think it took so long for you to be diagnosed well there's a few reasons for that first of all um females whether they be girls or women um who have autism are typically their symptoms are typically more subtle, you know, so they don't always resemble, you know, what one would think of as classic autism symptoms, whether that, you know, ranges from being, you know, nonverbal and, you know, having difficulty learning how to speak, you know, possibly not, you know, an infant, not pointing out things 
at you know at the developmental time frame they should to you know getting into fights a lot at school, um, things like that. Uh, one thing that happened with me that now I know should have actually been a flag for the type of autism I have. I started reading at two years old. Another thing, uh, yeah, Um, there's pictures of me at that age sitting on the couch reading to my six-month-old brother. And, you know, and I'd always read above, above age level. The, also, um, what actually led to a diagnosis or made my symptoms obvious enough to, you know, for a counselor I was seeing at the time to diagnose me is um, suffering a head injury that 2006 that caused me to lose some of what I'll call the coping mechanisms that I developed on my own and made some of my symptoms, including some more classic ones, more obvious. Um, I was seeing a counselor at the time, and she happened to specialize in autism, among other things, and uh, she she made a diagnosis. Wow. And then you said that you also got diagnosed with ADHD. When did that happen? Well, that happened a couple of years ago. And was, how did that come about? Well, um, much of the reason why women and girls are not diagnosed with um, ADD, which is actually what I have, um, in the time frame that boys do, is, again, because they present a lot differently. And honestly, the stereotypical person who has ADHD is a school-age boy. You know, they're the ones standing on top of their desks, running around the room, can't sit still type of thing. And that's, that's not how girls present. Um, you know, a lot of times the only sign is, and this was me, they're the kid in class who wants to, has to, is obsessed with answering every single question the teacher asks. It's also pretty common once women reach a certain time in life, if you will for ADD or ADHD symptoms to fully emerge for the first time. And for me, that happened to be be the case. That head head injury I mentioned um, also, I think, helped facilitate what should have been caught as early symptoms but were not. You know, for instance, losing the ability to multitask, getting overwhelmed easily, like, for instance, going into a store to do shopping, even though I had a list, you know, things like that. 
Yes, they're just, and it looks different for everyone, at, at least it, that I've seen. And so it's hard, but it seems mm-hmm. like there were some signs that, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, once you've met one person with autism, or if you've met one person with ADHD, you've met one person with autism. You've met one person with ADHD. You know, no different than if you have met a person with blue eyes, you've only met one person with blue eyes. Um, you know, we're each individuals. We each express this unique part of ourselves in different ways. And, you know, that, that has to be accounted for when you're, when you're working with somebody like that. And the term I'm going to use going forward is neurodivergent um, versus neurotypical. Somebody neurodivergent is someone who has, among other things, autism and or ADHD that causes them to have difficulty operating in certain areas of society um, in the world in general that people who don't have these conditions don't have any issue with. It's as if our, you know, our brains are wired differently, to be perfectly honest. Right. Yeah, that neurodiverse, neurodivergent, there's been more recognition of that recently, and especially with employers, which yeah, is finally. great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of which, what did you look back on and see how school and the traditional workforce what you look back and you kind of said hey there was a difference Mm -hmm. there yes absolutely there was well in I want to say first or second grade I remember being placed in this class you know it was like a special class run by the school counselor where I was pulled out of class, and the counselor worked with me on social skills and, you know, how to better function in, of course, at that time, elementary school society. But was what was fascinating, as I look back, um, I grew up in an area, a, a rural area of Michigan, that had lots of migrant workers come in to work the fields. I was the only person in that little group who was not the son or daughter of those migrant workers and therefore were learning how to acclimate, you know, or adapt to U.S. society. In school in general, I excelled in my classes, um, you know, especially language arts, social studies, foreign languages. Um, in fact, at one point, I taught French, <laughs> and still am, at least in reading and writing, it pretty fluent. I'm rusty otherwise, and I, I just naturally pick up languages. You know, smidgen of German here. Um, touch of Spanish there, or at least survival Spanish. Um, been able to read Scots 
since I was in first grade. But mathematically, I really struggled with. And there are some people um, on the autism spectrum who are the exact opposite of me. Um, also very musically talented. You know, in terms of math, it took almost a year to learn my times tables. In high school, the, the only class that really came easily to me was geometry. Everything else, I didn't get. In terms of socially, to be frank, life was hell. Especially once I got to, you know, especially once I started middle school. Um, I was severely bullied, you know, and just social awkwardness, you know, missing cues, um, you know, just, just being an easy target, you know, because I didn't get emotions, I didn't understand, um, you know, social nuances, things like that. And, you know, unfortunately, the response was bullying. In terms yeah. of work, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't fun. That said, when I got to college, um, that stopped. I I was lucky to get in with you know a very small core group of friends, and you know we pretty much did everything together college wise. I you know I didn't do the normal college experience of um, pledging into a sorority or anything like that. I just just inherently knew it would be too much. And I also had the advantage of going to a very tiny private school that at the time had a total student population of about 1,100. You had asked about work, too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. In several jobs, I had these incidents where, you know, I thought I was doing, had been doing a great job until performance evaluation time. And during that performance evaluation to find out that I was not. Um, the equivalent that I usually fall back on is, you know, I thought I was doing A work, and then when I got my report card back, I got a D on it, and just couldn't understand why. Um, Looking back, I know I did well in situations where I was, first of all, given structure, and for the most part, allowed to work independently. Also, this held true even if I wasn't as dependent and the environment wasn't structured as long as I was sitting in a cubicle. Once the more open bullpen style work environments became a thing, I absolutely couldn't function. Just could not. There was, you know, too much of what I now understand was sensory overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Um, taking place. The big change, though, happened um, as a result of my head injury and the effects it had on me that I described earlier. One thing in particular, I lost my ability to multitask. Um, at the time, 
I was a buyer with one of the big three. I was managing multi-million dollar contracts, often for hundreds of parts, some of which, like brake hoses, were pretty safety critical. And my ability, you know, the loss of my ability to juggle tons and tons and tons of plates all the time and keep them all the air honestly was a career ender. Um, so was, to an extent, the um, economic downturn of 1998. Um, I was laid off from what turned out to be my final automotive job just prior to the big automotive companies declaring bankruptcy. But a part of it was because I'd just been diagnosed with autism and had chosen to disclose that to my employer. My immediate supervisor had a son who was autistic and, and ultimately just couldn't handle having someone else with the same condition on his team. So after that happened and I got my head straight, I decided that what I would want to do next was something I'd always liked doing. So I created an LLC. I became self-employed first as an editor and eventually as a resume writer. Yeah, well, we're going to talk more about that when we come back from a short break. So we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back here on The Career Confidant. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America. America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You 
You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello and welcome back to the Career Confidant. And today we're talking with Melissa Kelly about how her story, her evolution into the careers industry. And, and Melissa, you were just sharing your story about how you transitioned from the automotive industry into writing and then eventually into resume writing and career coaching. Mm-hmm. So let's talk yeah. a little bit about how you work with clients that have autism or ADHD. Okay, I can do that. Hang on just a minute. First of all, um, I'm very upfront with neurodivergent clients, and I tell them um, I have autism too, or you know, I also have ADHD. This obviously breaks down any walls that um, might exist. It builds instant rapport. And, and sets an immediate comfort level. I mean, I can I can see the client sometimes breathe a huge sigh of relief, you know, because they know we're each other's people. Um, even though my method is very structured already, and that's actually one of my fail-safes, um, I become even more so with all neurodivergent clients, whether they've purchased coaching or not. Now, when I have a neurodivergent coaching client, I take the time to help them understand that what they're learning is a new social skill. Just like me, they um, typically, if not almost always, have really, really struggled in the work environment because of their lack of understanding, just like me, of social nuances, um, you know, what goes on in the work environment, you know, same, same things that led me to be bullied at school, had the problems I did in the work environment, and actually also there were a few times I was bullied in the work environment by coworkers and or supervisors. So, you know, I try very hard to present everything from evaluating a job application, applying to a job, um, you know, customizing their cover letters, everything that has to do with the job search aspect of it. And what may be more obvious, the interviewing aspect of it, as a new social skill. You know, if need be, I take extra time to role play. And I haven't needed this technique yet. I also have in my hip pocket a social skill teaching tool called Social Stories. That if a client really, really seemed to have difficulty understanding how to do something. For instance, networking, which is terrifying for anyone, but even more so 
for somebody neurodivergent, then I would say what they were most afraid of. I, I would develop one of these social stories if I needed to. And at its core, the social story is an explanation of what to do and what not to do in a given situation. And it typically takes the form of a comic strip. Um, you know, that way, you know, you're hitting on visual learning and you know, you've also got the words to read. This tool is, to be honest, typically used in a school setting. So it's a little bit of an out-of-the-box use for social stories, but you know, it would still be highly, highly effective. It would have the same results for an adult that it would in, you know, for a minor. And I know this myself because when I was first diagnosed, um, I used social stories to an extent to help me relearn and um, rebuild some of the some of the coping skills and mechanisms that I had lost back in two thousand six. There is one thing that I always emphasize, and you're going to find this with any neurodivergent client, and that is eye contact. This is especially true for people with autism, and it's just, it's just a part of how we're built. And depending on the person, making eye contact can range from just, you know, it makes me uncomfortable, you know, like a scratch or sweater might, to honestly physically painful. So a couple of hacks I have and I teach my clients are, obviously, if you're in a virtual interview, all you have to do is look at the camera. You're making eye contact and you're not even looking at the person. Um, but if you're in a in-person interview, you can hack eye contact, meaning you can appear to be making eye contact with the person. If you look just over the top of their head, you know, like to a point on the wall, or whichever you're more comfortable with, the space right between the top of the person's nose and their eyes. That way, again, you're not, you're not looking actually into somebody's eyes, but they think you're making eye contact with them. Yeah, those are brilliant. And I, it's interesting that the virtual interviewing has created some positives for different groups. And when you think about yeah, people who are overweight that are often discriminated against, um, you know, mm -hmm. there's there's lots of things that virtual interviews actually make better. Of course, there are some downsides, but it's interesting just to mm -hmm. see that there are some positives as well. Um, well, we are coming up on another break here so let's um, just share with people your contact information how can they get a hold of you I know you're on LinkedIn mm -hmm. 
and your LinkedIn is yes. Melissa Kelly, and that's K E L L E Y M Kelly, C P R W. But I'm sure they could just find right. you if they looked up Melissa Kelly, K E L L E Y C P R W. Um, that's and, correct. Yeah, they can follow along there and get some of your tips as well. So we are going to take a short break, and we'll be right back here on the Career Confidant. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello, and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking with Melissa Kelly about her story as a neurodivergent uh, worker, student, and then eventually also a career coach and resume writer. And then also talking about how clients, how you work with clients and how Mm -hmm. our colleagues can work with clients if they're in this group, neurodivergent, of course, being a large group, and we're talking more specifically about autism and ADD. Um, anything else you would add about how our colleagues can work with those who have autism or ADHD? Certainly. Um, first of all, the first thing to understand is that for a neurodivergent client, you really are teaching that person a new social skill, whether you're writing a document portfolio or providing coaching. So you need um, an extra dose of patience and um, especially need to take the extra time to help your client understand how and why 
for instance, they need to write tailored cover letters and resumes. Also, keep in mind that most neurodivergent clients need a very structured approach. For instance, um, the interview coaching material I use, which was developed by a colleague that um, I do have sub subcontracted for since 2015, actually lists out the most challenging as well as most common questions asked during an interview and asks clients to write out their answers to those questions um, using the STAR approach. I think that's really, really helpful for neurodivergent clients, you know, as well as me. That's one of the approaches I take to preparing for everything from um, intake sessions to uh, this appearance today. Because, you know, that way they will have thought it out. You know, they've got it written down. They know what they're going to say. Um, because one, one of the challenges that many of us have is speaking off the cuff, speaking, um, you know, contemporaneously. Um, so that, that type of assistance is huge. Also, with neurodivergent clients, especially those with ADD or ADHD, don't be surprised if you need to do more follow-up and hand-holding. Um, you know, you, you may need to reach out and remind a couple, you know, a couple more times than you're used to. Um, the clients may also be more needy, again, because this is foreign territory to them. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's um, as you said, learning the social skills as well as the job search skills. There's, there's multiple mm -hmm. layers going on there. Right. And I'll be honest, most of my clients are neurotypical. And I always, you know, I see it as a great irony that here I am, I'm neurodivergent, and I'm teaching a client base that's primarily neurotypical how to function in, in a job search. Well, and there are skills that all of us struggle <laughs> with, just like when you were talking about middle school or uh, whatever they call it now, junior high, middle school. Mm -hmm. All of us hate middle school, but it just adds that additional layer of oh, yeah. struggle. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do you think are your strengths because you because you're neurodivergent what are some of the things that make you a better writer oh. and coach sure well for all clients um some of the strengths that being neurodivergent give me include being very thorough being very highly structured i'm like this because i need to be in order to do a good job for my clients and in order to succeed um, as a resume writer and coach. And ultimately, this does result in better outcomes for clients, whether they've invested in a document portfolio 
coaching, or both. And in terms of analyzing and building resumes, I'm, I'm very quick to see patterns. So, you know, that helps me put together a better resume from the start. You know, as I mentioned before, for a neurodivergent client, you know, as soon as I tell them, well, you know what, I have autism too. I have ADD also, you know, or both. Um, it's just we immediately click, you know, because we're wired the same way. Like I said, we're each other's people. Yeah. Now, tell me a little bit about what advice you would have for our colleagues who have a neurodivergent client that invests in their services. Sure. Um, First thing to understand is, you know, you're teaching that person a new social skill whether you're providing coaching or not. Um, you know, so you're going to need to take extra time, help them understand, for instance, why they should answer, um, say, the question, could you describe your worst boss, without actually ratting out a former boss. Um, as much as possible, you should also provide a very structured approach to neurodivergent clients. You know, one of the things you know that I do, and again, it's part of helping myself be successful, is I do use an intake form, um, and it's you know very structured, and you know those answers help me do a good job at building a client's first draft. Um, Also because I don't always hear things accurately um, due to a condition that people with autism, people who have ADHD often have. It's called auditory processing disorder. It's basically the auditory equivalent of dyslexia. Having all of that in written form ensures that I didn't hear the client incorrectly when they told me something, you know, and therefore take down incorrect notes. And again, you you will need um, probably, especially the client who has ADD or ADHD, you'll need to do more follow-up um, than you might normally do. You might also, you know, find that that client is a little bit more needy, so you'll need to hold their hand a little bit more. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you for sharing. Just to think about how to do things differently and and what they need. Mm-hmm. So, right. we talked about some of the perks, some of the things that make you great as a writer <laughs> yeah. and a coach because of your neurodivergence. What about the challenges that you have had to address and how you have addressed mm-hmm. them? Oh my gosh, you should see you should see all the alarms on my iPhone. In all seriousness, um, I need a pre-warning before, as well as an alarm at the time of meetings to help me transition smoothly. Um, You know, out of work mode into meeting mode. 
I also have um, a timer that I don't always remember to use, but it's my intention to use for each writing task I've got planned out for any given day to make sure I don't hyper-focus on just that one task. Otherwise, you know, something, say a revision, that should have only taken me 15 minutes to a half hour, I'm still working on the darn thing several hours later. Um, you know, and therefore have put myself way behind on everything else. Yeah, you know, I'd mentioned earlier I don't speak well off the cuff. So that for that reason, I write out what I, I want to ask clients during my intake session. I, I do have a core set of questions, and then as I review the client's resume, I develop additional questions to ask them. I also have that onboarding form that I mentioned, and I also review that to see if I need to ask anything to clarify from there. And I know that a lot of my colleagues do this in natural course of their work, um, but honestly, for me, it's a survival mechanism, you know, to make sure that, you know, I serve my client to the level that they expect me to and actually produce something that will get them interviews um, and ultimately new jobs. I had mentioned the um, auditory processing disorder a few minutes ago, and you know, so I need, you know, although I take notes during an interview, I still need to have the key input from clients in writing, you know, so, you know, answers to basic questions about themselves, even for a client that doesn't have achievements in the resume, um, pretty much stories, challenge action results stories that enable me to create achievements for them. You know, so that's why I use worksheets, and when I send the first draft, I ask the feedback to be sent in written form. I'm, I'm not capable of just getting on a phone with a client and having the client tell me, okay, in the first sentence of this paragraph, we need to change X to Y. I, do do, I will do editing calls, but they do have to send me their notes and what they want changed in written form prior to the call so that, A, I'm not blindsided, and B, I'm trying to answer something on the spot, um, you know, off, my, off the top of my head. A few other things that I do is, um, and I'm sure others of my, other of my colleagues do this too, is, you know, I, when I send an email, for instance, a first draft, or a proposal, those two especially, I have automated follow-up emails attached to them. You know, so say a week later, I haven't received any feedback from a client on their first draft, boom, um, this follow-up email goes out with a reminder, hey, you know, I, I need to hear back from you. I've also built a project management board in Trello that helps me keep track of clients. I also use a planner. Um, I also have a whiteboard, too. Just all these little things to help me keep track of where projects are. Um, the Trello board is semi 
automated. It used to be more fully so, meaning that I would put a rule and outlook for each client that would automatically go to that person's project card and based on words in the email, automatically advance their card to the next step. Mm. But the rules started crashing Outlook because there were so darn many of them. Um, So plan B was to develop checkboxes that do the same thing. So for instance, if I check the box that says write first draft after I've sent the first draft to the client, it automatically advances the card to waiting for feedback and sets a specific day. So when I look at my, you know, look at Trello, um, I'll see, hey, um, this client's supposed to be followed up with today. You know, I can double check to make sure that that is the case. Well, those are great tips for any resume writer, but definitely help keep things intact for people that may have a little bit more structure. And I know that you do have uh, career colleagues that refer clients to you when they're neurodivergent and the the colleague just isn't isn't proficient in working with those. So I appreciate you so much coming on and sharing your information and sharing your insights that I think are helpful for many different client situations, but of course, specifically for those clients who are neurodivergent. So Melissa, thank you so much for coming in. We're going to take another short break and and we're going to say goodbye and thank you to Melissa. And then we'll be back here on the Career Confidant to tie a little bow around this for you and uh, give you some takeaways. We'll be right back here on The Career Confidant. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. 
Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we were talking with Melissa Kelly about her story, working through her education and work experience, dealing with an undiagnosed um, autism and ADHD. And wow, you know, I mean, all of us struggle in middle school, but it, it takes it to a whole nother level of understanding. And when we have that understanding, then we can better help clients. I think we can better help all of our clients when we think about the, just the struggle and the new skills that everyone is learning really when they go through job search, but specifically people who may struggle with, and Melissa was talking about auditory processing, dyslexia, uh, all of these fit under that neurodivergent umbrella. Then of course you've got the autism spectrum and people with ADHD, ADHD, just thinking about how do we in the career services industry help these individuals well, all individuals, but really meet people where they're at and what are they struggling with and how can we help them learn systems, structures, processes that make the job search easier that then actually might also carry over into the, their workplace. And Melissa talked a little bit about the structures that she has set up for her projects, for her engagements, having those forms so that she's getting the information in multiple ways. I know a lot of our colleagues also transcribe their calls and go back to those, whether or not they they struggle with getting the information auditory, it's just an excellent way to be able to go back and make sure we didn't miss anything. I do enjoy taking notes during my calls, but it's always figuring out what works for you. And so if you're a job seeker, same approach, what works for you? How are you going to track your applications? How are you going to make sure that you know who's <laughs> who's giving you a call when you're having that next interview? Because when you don't know that, you can fluster yourself, not have the communication skills at the ready that you need to have at the ready to wow that employer and cause a lot of extra stress. And, um, you know, no one performs well under stress, let alone additional stress. And that's one of the things I love about how Melissa is helping people is especially in that interview coaching, job search coaching, having those scripts, having a process that can really help you be successful. And we all can benefit from those types of activities to really understand what is expected in this conversation. How can I work on recognizing social cues? No matter what you're neurodivergent or not, we can all work on listening better, reading those social cues better, and having that um, knowledge that those skills are just important as how to look for a job, how to target your resume, all of those pieces come together. I also loved how Melissa shared the benefits, if you will, of virtual interviewing. It's hard for some individuals to make eye contact, but now you can look at the camera and because you're looking at the camera, you're creating eye contact without actually looking into someone's eyes. Um, Of course, we 
may struggle with video for other reasons. So as you're talking with your clients with about this, or if you've got someone, friends or family, I'd also encourage you to think about how you can ask for accommodation in the process. Um, if they're doing interviews a certain way, can you reach out and ask for that, uh, that accommodation um, for the process? How are you going to work best knowing those things about yourself and asking for that that process to be adjusted doesn't necessarily mean you have to disclose your disability if you don't want to or disclose your neurodivergence if you don't want to you can simply ask you know the process uh, the video just doesn't work very well for me or I, I struggle with video interviewing to be able to manage the the visual you've got to know what the situation is and how you're going to work if you're going to work in person anyways i think some of these might go over better if you're going to be working virtually you may have to figure out some strategies for yourself to be able to be successful in virtual meetings long term and you might say could we do this first meeting on the phone or you know is it a phone screen to start with just putting that out there the recruiter might say oh yeah let's do phone they're just as tired of zoom as you are right so finding some creative ways to suggest things that are going to work for you especially in the job search process and then of course you might talk more specifically about an accommodation after you get the offer depending on what your situation is and how you want to handle that if you're looking for some examples and thoughts around that the job accommodation network ask jan so j-a-n for job accommodation network ask jan is a great resource for when and how and do you have to disclose uh, a disability and the neurodivergent groups fit into these conversations there as well so i'd encourage you to check that out as well as of course connecting with melissa it was a melissa kelly k-e-l-l-e-y on linkedin and following her suggestions as as you go through your job search or if you're a career colleague helping others she's got some great information for you as well we are here on career confidant every week we look forward to your suggestions and your questions you can email me at marie m-a-r-i-e at careerthoughtleaders.com and we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on the career confidant Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.